welcome to the Lotco Business Podcast, a show all about helping you as a retailer, brand, or creative understand the actual business side of running your business. I offer straightforward, practical advice about the nitty-gritty of making money from your creative passion. We will be covering bite-sized business and marketing lessons, as well as interviews with experts and trailblazers in the fashion, homewares, and design industries. My name is Melissa Robbins. I'm a business coach, colour-loving, non-coffee-drinking Melbourneian. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Lotco Business Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Robbins. I'm a business mentor based in Melbourne, Australia. I have worked with brands and retailers in the art, lifestyle, beauty, fashion, homewares industries. Um, these are areas that I've just, um, are very passionate about and I've had lots of experience in working with all types of businesses around those industries. I've had my own brand. I had a children's wear brand and for 15 years and I've had my own retail stores as well before selling both of those, um, a little over six years ago now and have worked with, um, you know, in sales and marketing in that arena, in that space for over 25 years now. I love doing what I do. And- and helping others build their business, understand how to run their business, you know, especially lots of creatives, you know, understand the actual um, product side of things, but not necessarily how to run their business and how to make it a profitable business. That's what I'm passionate about. And that's what I love um, helping with. And hopefully, you know, pass on some of the things that I um, made mistakes with, or I've learned from over the last 25 years. So that's what I love to do. I I work, you know, in the format of either a one-on-one coaching role, and that is in uh, you know, sort of sessions that can be anywhere from 90 minutes up until sort of um, monthly sessions that I meet with clients just to manage ongoing and keep them accountable, um, plan strategy for, for you know, long term as well. I also do have a membership for retail stores, which is a um, monthly membership that where we learn and um, work on something new in your business every month. And that really can help you, you know, not just increase sales, which obviously we all want to do as well, but understand how to run your business, um, you know, how to outsource thing, different things, what your business can look like as you move up the, you know, ladder of, um, you know, running everything yourself um, until the other end where your business can run um, without you and you can step away from it slightly as well. So how do you get to that point and what does it look like um, in between uh, all the different things that you can do to make sure that your business is, a, you know, as a long-term prospect, you've planned it out from the start so you know what it looks like, um, you know, later on, whether it's one year, three years, five years down the track as well. Now, the other thing I work with, because I work with so many brands, is wholesale. So, because I've been on that retail side of things and the wholesale side of things, I have a wholesale program which helps brands get the confidence, um, understand what they need to be doing to get new stockers, to build up relationships with stores, and and you know really manage that side of the business so it's a strong revenue stream for them. That is what I'm talking about today. I am talking about um, wholesale and a little bit about some of the things that I have seen over time, you know, whether it's through my program, which has been going over 12 months now, whether it's through myself working as a wholesale sales manager, whether it's through, you know, working one-on-one with clients as well. These are some of the common mistakes I see um, brands make with wholesale. And, you know, so I want to talk about 10 10 things, what I see and how um, how to change them and how to, you know, do things differently. So let's get going and I will share with you the 10 different mistakes, um, common mistakes I see with wholesale. So number one, 
not considering your pricing from the very beginning that you were actually going to wholesale your product. So, you know, that's okay if you're obviously not going to wholesale your product. You can set your pricing based on, you know, what your cost price is and then what also you think your retail price should be. There's obviously different ways to do it. You can go forward in terms of start with your cost price and then work up adding margin for wholesale and adding margin for retail. Or you can work backwards and go, well, this is what I want my retail price to be. This is what I think the market will accept. This is what I think... um, you know, based on my branding, based on my packaging, what my price could be. And then you work backwards and make sure that you've got enough margin for wholesale and make sure that you've covered all your, um, your, you know, your cost price. You've thought of all the components that go into those cost of goods and that you then have room in your product margin to actually make money at the end of the day. Now, I won't go into how all that works because that's, um, you know, obviously a whole podcast on itself which is episode seven in my series. You can go back and check that one out all about pricing. I also have a pricing guide, which you can grab for on my website, which I'll put in the sh- link in the show notes too. So that's the lotco.com.au forward slash freebies. You can grab that. Number two, not investing in your imagery from the very start. Now, you know what your product looks like. You might know how amazing it is. Um, but unless you're, you know, going out to lots of different stores and sort of talking to people in person or you're going into, you know, doing a trade show where people can come and see and touch and feel your product, no one else can see what that product, how good that product is or the features of it or the sort of detail of it or the scale of it unless you have good product pho- photography. So when I say photography, I think you, you definitely need good product photography and you also need styled Um, imagery as well. So whether that is, um, you know, if you have uh, vases, ceramics, you might do a styled photo shoot in situ in a home, or you might have it, you know, beautifully placed on um, plinths and backgrounds, different color backgrounds and all different things as well. If you have uh, jewelry, if you have earrings, then it's really important to make sure you have photography that showcases the product in the ears on a person to see scale, to see what it looks like. No one, well, not no one, but not many people are going to buy earrings if they have no idea what size they are in proportion to their, their ear, their face, their size. So really important to make sure that you invest in your imagery from the very start. And this obviously is a good return on investment because whatever money you put into your photography, you should be getting back in sales, whether it's through retail sales on your website or whether it's through wholesale sales by, you know, getting, sending out the information to your stockers. So investing in imagery is really important and it must be product and styled photos. And then you should also always be trying to add more to your, to your range as well in terms of you should be trying to get user-generated content, you should be using brand ambassadors or influencers to try and get those real-life in-situ um, imagery. You want to get, you know, um, let's say you have fashion, you want it to have it look, show it on re- real people, real um, bodies, not just, you know, model sizes so or not just particular one-size model sizes. So really important to make sure you're always working on getting new imagery all the time and investing in that from the start to that's going to make a big difference to your sales. Number three, this is where you approach stores and you, you know, throw spaghetti at the wall and you just approach as many as possible. You might have favorite stores you want to be into, but you haven't really targeted that 
your approach. So it's really important to um, make sure that the stores that you target for your to be into that you want to you know be a stockist for, that you really target and make sure that the, their end consumer is similar to your target market. That the product mix is going to that your product is going to fit within their product mix in store. That your price point fits within the store um, you know range of prices as well. Do they um, do they have a gap in their price and product category? You've got to make sure that you're really targeted, do your research, understand the store that you're approaching, understand that it's a good fit or not, understand whether, um, you know, what barriers may come up for that store as well by you, you um, sharing what your product is. So really being very targeted in who you approach, um, not just sort of, yeah, throwing it out to anyone or everyone and hoping that someone will, you know, pick up on it and like it. It's really important to be targeted in your approach and who you want to stock your range. Number four is you don't send the right information when you send out, um, you know, your your range to people. So I see this a lot and I saw it a lot when I was a buyer in store. Um, I had a children's wear store, you know, I'd get contacted by many, many, many brands, um, get lots and lots of emails and some of them I'd love and some of them I'd want to, you know, look into more and other ones I'd be like, oh, just send me a photo so I can actually know what it looks like or send me the pricing. I've got no idea what price this product is. Is it going to be right for me or not? What's your minimum order? I have no idea if this is going to be right for me or not. As a buyer, you don't have time to sort of then go back to the, you know, the brand and say, oh, can you send me this, this, and this as well? If you are approaching stores and if you're emailing or sending out physical catalogs and, you know, you need to give them all the information they need to make that decision. Whether that is, you know, in your email that you send out, you have your RRPs, you have your, um, you know, embed some imagery in there so you can actually see what the product is. Tell me what your best sellers are. Tell me what your, tell me what your minimum order is. And then show me, you know, tell me how to order. So can I make that? I shouldn't have to come back to you and say, oh, I like it. Now what do I do? You should give me all that information. So remove the barriers for buyers and make it simple and easy for them to make a decision. If they like it, they can go bang, place an order, done. They don't have to come back three or four times before they get that information. Number five is you only contact people once and then you stop. You didn't get a reply, you didn't get an answer, you know, you didn't get any excitement back again. So you just don't um, send anything to them. You just assume that they don't like it. Do not do that. Um, You need to approach people more than one time and you don't give up after one time. And I'm not saying you stalk people and, you know, send four emails in one week and make seven phone calls. Definitely don't do that. Um, But don't just contact once and then give up. You might send a couple of emails because buyers are busy, they might not see it, or they might have just been in the influx of all other emails that day, Uh, you know, send them a physical catalogue, follow up on Instagram, do many things and have more more than one point of contact or touch point with a brand if, sorry, with a store if you're trying to get into a store. Sometimes it might take, you know, one month to get into a store. Other times it might take two years. Um, I have, if you listen to my podcast with Jackie from Neston Barrow, she talks about that in that she says, you know, one jewelry brand, it took a year and a half before she got it into store, but the, the agent or the, um, the owner, you know, just persisted and Jackie never said no. So unless you get a no, then assume that you should keep contacting and just sort of follow up if you haven't heard back. Number six is that you don't have any sort of sample or physical catalogue to send to your um, potential stores. 
it's really important if you're not doing trade shows, which obviously there haven't been many in the last couple of years, um, that you have some sort of option to be able to send out your a sample of your product. So someone get a get a taste or a touch and feel of your product, that they get an idea of what it's like. And again, you're not going to send this necessarily to every store that you want to be in, but you might pick, um, you know, your top 10 that you think, okay, this one would be amazing to get into. It's perfectly targeted. It's perfectly aligned. I'm going to send them a physical catalog and I'm going to send them a sample of the product. You know, if it, if you say, for example, sell candles, you might make up little sample pots that actually showcase what the fragrances are and what the um, what the look and feel is so then people get an idea if it's right for them or not. If you have hair accessories, you might send out a sample of that. If you have fashion, you might send out a swatch card of all your different fabrics and how they feel. So what can you do to send something physical that stands out from other people? So, you know, make it, people are going to notice something that they get physical in the mail, a physical product and or a physical catalogue, doesn't always have to be a sample. Then they are just getting another email from, um, you know, 100 brands. So really try and stand out. So have something physical if you if you can create that. Have a smaller version of your product or, a you know, a sample of the product in some way so that the stores can actually see, touch, feel, experience your product. Number seven. You might get an order. You might be, you know, great, I've got this order. I've got this in the store. You send your order out and then you don't do anything else. You don't follow up. You you know, you just assume that if the store likes it, they'll just reorder. That's not the way it works. Um, buyers, again, are busy. They don't have time to sort of, they might have, you know, a hundred different um, suppliers on their list. They're not necessarily going to get time to email you back and say, hey, I want more of this. You must follow up once you get into stores as well and start that relationship with stores. You know, do you service them? Do you check in of how it's gone in store? Do you figure out, ask them if they need a point of sale to display it better or do they need ideas on how to display it? Do you send them updated imagery as you get it? What do you do to communicate with the buyers once you're actually in store and to try and get those reorders as well? Figure out with your particular buyers what way do they like to be communicated with. Is it that, you know, Jackie likes uh, emails on a Tuesday morning to sort of follow up or does she prefer a phone call or a text message? Figure out with your buyers what they like, um, you know, understand who they are, what they need, so then you can help service them so you can get more orders and, you know, ongoing, develop that ongoing relationship, which is um, my next point, number eight. This is where you don't view your stockers at the very start as a long-term client. It's really important in wholesale that you want to develop relationships with people. You want people to be an ongoing stockist for you. So you've got to try and view those stores at the very start as long-term buyers. What would you, how would you treat them differently if they weren't just a $300 minimum order, but they were a $30,000 order a year? you know, like what that was what they ordered every year. How would you treat them differently? And that's what you sort of got to think about when you're trying to service them, help them um, work with the buyers and um, the stores to encourage that long-term view. Now, the LTV, which is the lifetime value of that customer, it's really important to know what that is. So then you can also figure out what sort of things you should invest in to get customers as well. I'll just give you a little example of I had in my retail store, uh, I never wanted to do shoes, but I saw a little girl one day and she had the um, saltwater sandals on. 
she came into my store. I loved them. You know, I asked the mum where these sandals were from and they were saltwater sandals. I thought, oh, I don't, I don't really want to do shoes, but maybe I should try them out because they're pretty cool. So I was the first Melbourne store to get them in at all in, in, um, in Victoria from that, from the distributor in Sydney. And, you know, I probably ordered, I don't know, a thousand dollars to start off with. Over time, I would have ordered over a hundred thousand dollars with, with that brand. You know, one year I probably ordered twenty, thirty thousand dollars from from that um, f- for just one year. So you know, but I could only do that because she worked with me on allowing me to place regular orders. I'd do a big order at the start of the season, maybe three, four thousand, and then every week I would do top up orders. I would do custom sizes for people. I would take orders. I would take um, you know, custom you know, yellow 39 or whatever it might have been. And I would take those orders and I would send off every, almost every week, maybe every fortnight in peak, um, sorry, in non-peak I would do every fortnight. This allowed me to have cash flow. I was never going to order 30,000 at once and I didn't really know what sizes I would need if I did that as well. But it allowed me, because she worked with me, because she nurtured that relationship and allowed me to do different things, I would have been a $100,000 customer over the lifetime of being with them. So how would you view someone if you thought that that's what they could look like? And then also by knowing this too, it helps you figure out, you know, do I invest $5,000 in a trade show or $7,000? Well, if you know what your lifetime value of your customer is, if you know that you're, you know, getting a customer on board is going to be worth 10 grand or 20 grand in the long term, would you go to the trade show just to try and get one, one new store? You know, figuring that out and knowing that, understanding what it costs to get that customer, so that's your customer acquisition cost, and then what is your lifetime value, knowing those two numbers really helps you figure out what you should invest in, um, whether they, you know, from the very start, viewing your stockers as long-term clients is really important. Number nine. You don't have, you haven't planned out your range. You haven't thought about your range over, you know, whether it's a year or a season, whatever it might be. You need to really plan your ranges and your merchandise, when it's going to drop, what's going to happen in line with, you know, maybe the buying schedules of your particular product range or category of product. Um, do you have enough things coming in regular intervals? Um, do you, you know, if you've got a, great product can you re what's your supply chain like can you reorder that quickly do you have you know have you got a great selling style that you're doing in your colorway how have you planned out your range so that there's enough pieces in there for for clients for your stockers to buy if you've got um let's say that you've got you know you've got fashion one of the brands i worked with a number of years ago now you know they had beautiful fashion but they just didn't think about their range and their pieces and it was all very one look in terms of the the color palette was all very similar so if i didn't like that color palette there was nothing for me to buy as a buyer you've really got to consider you know what sort of things you've got in your range and who it's for and obviously not suit not change it to suit every other stockist and you know person available but how is someone going to buy from you when we I did a little um flashback on my Instagram the other day of a trade show that my sister and I Jenny did in New York uh 14 years ago and that was one I, I vividly remember you know we had the buyer from Barney's come up to us we were excited they loved the range but there wasn't just there just wasn't quite enough for them to put a collection together 
So they talked to us about, you know, what the pieces were looking like and how they would fit that together. So we needed to then go back and go, well, next season we need to consider how this will look in a store. How will those, if people just buy, you know, A, B, C, D and E, how will that map out and plan out? So really thinking about that when you're creating your range, you know, are dresses your best sellers? Do you need to have at least 50% of your offering, your SKUs, be dresses because they're your best sellers? Thinking about your range planning, thinking about what works within your year or your, you know, your season having enough merchandise to actually offer your customers to get better sales and better orders is really important. Number 10 is that you you also retail, you also sell online and you know gone are the days when brands mostly just only wholesaled. So there are still some that do that of course. Um some of you have, you know, 95% of your offering is sales come from wholesale. That is okay, but obviously you need a higher volume because you've got a lower margin. So it's really important to if you do retail as well, be very um open, be very clear on your communication with your customers, your 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 wholesale customers, your style, oh, sorry, your stockers. And be make sure that you don't, you know, undercut them. So let's say that you send out, you know, all your orders get sent out on the first week of um, September, all your deliveries go out to all your stores, and then you do a sale the two weeks later. That is no good. You're not going to do that. You really need to be upfront and, um, you know, only do sales when, say, they've had their product for a while as well and everyone's doing a sale on, say, let's, you know, Black Friday or everyone might do an end-of-season sale. That's okay for you to do sales too. But don't send out your orders to customers and then do a retail sale on your website and then, you know, your retailers are like, oh, great, I just got it and I can't sell it for that margin. That's no good for me. So be really careful of, you know, what your plan is for your promotions. Um, be upfront with communication. If you are going to do a big sale, you know, let your retailers know and say, hey, um, we're about to do a big sale. We're only going to do it after this point for this short period of time so it doesn't impact you too much as well. You know, just just work with your stores and make sure that your communication is really clear. Make sure that you don't, you know, undercut them all the time and have promotions that impact them as well. So just work out what that looks like for you, but be really clear on communicating and be really um, aware of, you know, not doing that to the retail stores because they obviously only get a 50% markup, so they can't take 40% off because they've got no margin left to sell their product. Really important to, um, you know, tread carefully there. So let's summarize those 10. Obviously, that's gone quickly. I talk really fast. I need to sort of slow down. But to recap the 10, number one, make sure your pricing and your margin is right. Um, if you haven't accounted for actually selling wholesale, then you're not going to have enough, you know, sort of fat in your product, um, air quotes there, to actually be able to sell wholesale. It's really important that you give your your store that full markup that allows them to sell the product at a full margin as well. Number two, invest in your imagery. Really important to have product and style um, photos. Number three, Make sure whenever you approach stores that you're highly targeting them. So don't just sort of, you know, throw out to a thousand stores. Really be specific in who you're targeting so you'll have a much higher conversion rate and great greater chance of success there as well. Number four is remove barriers. Send all the information for a buyer to be able to place an order if they want when you send that first email or you send out that physical um, offering. 
Number five is make sure that you contact stores more than once. Don't just send one email and then assume that they don't want it. You've got to follow up. You've got to be persistent. Number six is if you have the option to send a physical catalog or have a sample option of your product so that you can share it with lots of people. This one I wanted to touch on actually as well. I just had a, um, got a brand who is an amazing, has got an amazing, um, glitter sunscreen. Now, when I first heard this, you know, I thought, oh, it's like going to be like, you know, full glitter on your body when you put it on the sunscreen. But no, it's not. It's a beautiful, you know, just normal white sunscreen looks all the same as every other sunscreen. But once you rub it in, it leaves this tiny little, you know, trace of glitter and beautiful little sparkles, which my, you know, two-year-old niece is beside herself um, when I put it on her to show her. But until I actually saw that product, I wasn't quite sure what it looked like. So as a retail buyer, I probably would have never have bought it until I actually saw it. So if you can send out a sample pack, um, and Steph that I'm working with from Sundust is, you know, trying to work on this right now, is how can you... Um, showcase that range without actually being at a trade show and get in front of people and she's in WA so she can't get to many people at all. So what can you do to create a sample that will showcase your product really well? Number seven is don't get your order and then ghost people. Don't send your order and then never follow up. Really important to follow up and um, be, you know, have communication and clear and open with your stores once you actually get into stores. Number eight is um, understand what your long-term value of that client is or, or of any of any of your stores are. So if you've been wholesaling for more than a year, you should know what your annual average of, you know, what your orders are from a customer. Figure that out. You know, one of the jewellery brands I work with, a New Zealand brand, um, got to the point where she's got a not huge amount. I think she's got 30 or 40 stockers. But she knows that the average order that they pay buy per year is $7,000. So, you know, when when I'm working with her and talking about what to do in terms of whether she's going to do a trade show or not, yes, it's an investment. Yes, it's a lot of money up front. But if she only needs to get one store to get that money back, then it's well worth it. So understanding that and understanding what your um, annual amount, the average that people buy, as well as what your lifetime value of a store um, and stockist is. Number nine is making sure that you plan your ranges and your range releases and your merchandise, what your product actually is coming out, when, you know, how often, make sure your supply chain's great, work on your critical path if you need to so that you don't, you know, go months without having anything to release. Um, Really work on understanding when your ranges come out, what your range looks like, do you have enough pieces in there to sell, do you have things coming out often enough, and this is completely going to depend on the category that you're in, you know, have a little think about planning that, um, you know, offering that you have for customers so that you've got new updates or new things going on. So then they've got that option to reorder as well. Number 10 is if you are multi-channel, so if you sell retail and wholesale, not stepping on toes or undercutting stores. Really important to consider your promotions, consider how you, um, you know, send out your, when you send out your orders to your stores, when you're going to do other promos. Think about that, consider that, make sure that you've, you know, not um, doing the wrong thing there by the stores as well. 
these are obviously just some aspects of wholesale. Um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm quite passionate about it and I could talk about it for a long time. Obviously, it can only fit so much in one podcast episode. But I just wanted to touch on these 10 common mistakes because I think if everyone can sort of little, have a little think about, you know, which one of these you might be doing or which one you can improve on, that can make a big difference to your overall sales and overall bottom line, you know, when you actually have can get a profit at the end of the day, which is what I want to work on with clients to always think about that at the end of the day because you can have all the sales in the world but if you actually haven't got any profit left over you know what's the point in doing all of the work that you have to do to run a small business it's really important to make sure that you've thought about all these different things if you want to dive a bit deeper and find out more about wholesale, I do have the um, program that I run, which is called Transform Your Wholesale. And then also I have on my website 10 tips for wholesale and a pricing guide. So grab those from thelotco.com.au forward slash freebies. And I will link everything in the show notes also for you. Thank you so much. And I really hope that you got something out of this episode and I would love it if you could leave a review for me or screenshot, you know, you, you listening to the episode and what you took out of it. I look forward to speaking with you soon and I'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Lotco Business Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes as they are released. And I'd be so, so grateful for a review on Apple Podcasts. If you would like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, please jump onto my website at thelotco.com.au forward slash podcast. Have an amazing week and I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Mm-hmm.